titled it 2017 is Grace to Achieve. Psalm 6511 is going to be our scripture for the year. We're going to show this to you, unless I forget, but uh, we're going to try to show you this to you every Sunday. This is Psalm 6511. You crown 2017 with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. I think that's a good scripture. If you've ever had a, if you've never had a refrigerator scripture, that would be a good refrigerator scripture. You know what I mean by that? You cut it out and put that on your refrigerator, put that on everything. But um, I believe that for us, for you, for our family, for our church family, you know, this time of the year, everybody, well, not everybody, actually, they say 45% of Americans make New Year's resolution. I won't ask you all because I don't want to pressure you, but uh, 45% of the population makes a New Year's resolution. The bad news is only 8% keep it. I don't know about you, but that's kind of, especially if some of you have been so pumped up about you, you're making one. This may not be good news for you, but only 8% keep it. That means 92% do not. 92% do not. But uh, I know that sometimes people make New Year's resolutions to, uh, so they can be more successful, so they can educate themselves, so they can be smarter and... and uh, I think all of those are good, but I will say this, that, you know, sometimes Americans, we stereotype people and thinking that, well, if I'm going to be, try to get a promotion, I need to be smarter. I have to be smarter. I have to look like this. I have to be like this. I have, there's a certain thing. Well, I found a neat statistic that this may help you. Madonna has a higher base IQ than President John Kennedy. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to pick John Kennedy to run this nation more than Madonna. You may be a Madonna fan. It's no put down to Madonna, but I'm just saying as far as running the country, my boat's going to go to Kennedy. But uh, my point is this. I'm trying to make a point here. My point is this, is that uh, just because somebody may be smarter than you, you feel like you're not smarter, you're not cut out for it, doesn't mean God hasn't, can't make a way for you to get in that position. We try to think, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. First of all, you need just to quit that. But, um, but some of you may be thinking, I don't have any goals for 2017. If you don't have any goals, no problem. This is what I'm going to challenge you. Hook up with us. Hook up with Rocky Mountain Family Church. For the next few Sundays, I'm going to be explaining some things, bits and pieces about uh, 2017 for our church, the direction I feel like the Lord is leading us in 2017. But what do I mean by hook up with the church? Well, first of all, I'm going to be real blunt with it. You can hook up financially. Some of you, you know, we don't put any pressure on giving. We don't think, you know, you don't get to sit up front if you give more or get a better parking spot. If you, if you come late, you're not going to get such a good parking spot. But, you know, other than that, there's, there's nothing about giving. But this is what I, I desire for 2017, for Rocky Mountain Family Church to reach more people than we've ever reached before. I mean, I've never had the motive or the idea, Mike Davis wants a big church. That has not been part of my M.O. But it has been part of my life, and now it's even a, a greater degree where I want to help more people. I want to, there's a lot of hurting people in Pueblo. 
There's a lot of hurting people who have been hurt by the devil. There's a lot of hurting people who have been hurt by the church. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And I believe that we have the good news, not only us. There's a lot of great churches in our city. So I'll just forewarn you, if you're new here, don't ever come up to me and, and badmouth the church. I won't respond nice. <laughs> because Jesus said this, if they're preaching the gospel, leave them alone. Don't put them down. We don't have the corner as far as the good news. But I will say this, we do have good news. And we're going to preach the good news. And I believe there's people that need to hear it. So anyway, we, we want to help more people. And sometimes, you know, it takes, not sometimes, it takes money to do that, you know, just like the equipment. You know, who would have thought 20 years ago you would have video announcements in church? I mean, I don't know about you, 20 years ago I would have thought, video what? Why do you do that? Why do you do things like that? We don't change the message, but we do try to... We're competing against the world. We're not competing with the, the Methodists, the Baptists. We're competing against the world. And so we want our church to be better every year. We want it to be better. Why? Because there's going to be some stranger who walks up through those back doors and they're going to go, oh, this it would be great if everybody came to church because they want to hear the word. Man, I want to hear you preach the word. Statistics say this, within the first five minutes of a person visiting the church, they've already made up their mind if they're going to come back or not. And I'm thinking, well, he haven't even hurt me. Sometimes that may not be a bad thing. But anyway, they've already made up their mind. Why? The way things look. I mean, if the, if the PowerPoint is working, if the sound is working, if, if the lights are working, if things look good, you know, and... That's just the way the world in which we live. So you may say, well, I don't think that's right. It may not be, but you know what? I'm going to do it so I can get more people to hear the good news. Amen? So anyway, you hook up with us. Hook up with us in prayer. Hook up with us by getting involved and doing something. There is a list of things that we're going to be talking about this more and more. And so I really didn't even want to mention this, but it's too late now. But anyway... Uh, let me get back to my message. There are 10 top reasons that people make New Year's resolutions, or the 10 top picks. Uh, the first service, they picked the number one. What do you think the number one pick for the New Year's resolution is? Was it flashed up there? It's called cheating. Is that why the first service knew the answer to? Maybe I I was so impressed, but I guess they probably saw it. So losing weight, number one. Number two, getting organized. Number three, spending less, save more. Number four, enjoy life to the fullest. That should be number one, but that's... Number five, staying fit and healthy. Learn something exciting. Quit smoking. Help others in their dreams. Fall in love. Number ten, spend more time with family. That's the top ten uh, for America, but... Um, if you stop and think about that, only 8% are going to reach that goal. That's a little discouraging. I thought about it this week. I said, Lord, 92% of the people aren't going to reach their goals. That's pretty sad. And I feel like I've got something from God about that. I feel like the Lord's saying it's because they're trying to do it in their own strength, in their own might, in their own self-discipline. 
And I've tried to do that. Have you ever just tried, I've got to work harder. I've got to do this harder. I just got to, I can, I can, and you, you fail. You think, next week I'll try harder, and you fail. Usually by the first six months, uh, the majority of people have dropped out of their New Year's resolution. So I said, Lord, so what, what's the deal? That's a pretty sad statistic for our nation that 92% can't keep a New Year's resolution. And he said, it's because they're trusting in their own flesh and they need to trust in me. What do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? Well, this is what I believe. I believe the Lord has grace placed inside of you. The grace, which is the power of God inside. He's got grace inside each one of us to do things that we can't do. For example, let's just say weight. That was the top one. You want to lose weight. I mean, no, you, there's obviously some reasons, or not reasons, but some principles to do to lose weight. You know, number one is eat right. Number two, exercise. I know that's a cuss word in church. Four letter. It's a four letter cuss word in, in some families. You know, they shut your mouth. But anyway, you know, you, you do these things to, to lose weight. And so um, the Lord says, this is what you should do instead of going, because, you know, isn't this a great message right after all of the feasts that you've had? And everybody say, I'm not condemned. I don't want people to feel condemned. Like, what kind of message is that? We just had turkey and dressing, potatoes. I had cherry pie. But anyway, um, this is what God said. He says, instead of saying, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try harder. He says, Lord, today is a new day. I can't eat right, and I hate to exercise, so I just can't do this. So I'm going to look to you. I'm going to look to you to, for that grace that will help me to eat right. I'm going to look to you for grace to exercise because I know I'm not going to want to exercise. It just ain't in me, God. You know it. I know it. My relatives know it. Everybody knows it. I just don't. I hate running. I don't even like to walk. I want to be elevated and transmitted to my destination. Teleport. That's the word. Maybe. Anyway, but... Uh, so, but you can go to God, your Father, and He'll say, I can help you. Instead of looking to yourself, instead of saying, Mike, try harder. Mike, you're not doing this. Obviously, what we've been trying to do, be, to be more disciplined, where's that got in America? 92% nowhere. There's 82%, man, they are humdingers. I'm telling you what, discipline to the core. Or maybe this is what they've pat t touched on. Maybe that 8% has touched on the grace of God instead of their own strength, their own might. I'm telling you, this will help you. This is such a free. Instead of condemning yourself, because let's just face it, the 92% who don't by June, I, geez, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew it. I shouldn't do it. And then there's so many people who say, oh, I don't make New Year's resolutions because I can't do it, so I just don't do that. That's what a lot of people, that's probably why 50% do not. But um, I know that if we are going to get to the destination that God is already destined for us to be, 
you have to watch what comes out of your mouth. Anytime you're having trouble with your mouth. And for example, my wife, she, she's awesome. She's the best cook on the planet. And it's not because she's, she's not in here. So obviously I'm saying it just because that she's, I think she's in the nursery. But, uh, and, but she wants us to eat healthy, me and the boys. That's almost like cussing in our home, you know, because she'll do something healthy, and, you know, and, uh, of course, when she puts it in front of me, I don't look at it and go, oh, Jesus, help me, you know, because then I would be wearing it instead of eating it. But, uh, but there's been times that I taste it and just smile or whatever, but then, you know, a few days or weeks or whatever, that might come up. She goes, well, did you like that new dish? I go, Man. No. It tasted like cardboard. It was, it was really bad, you know. But when she prepares it, I'll thank you, honey, for cooking. I've taught the boys. We thank her for cooking. We're appreciative. We're thankful. But, you know, you just have to take an extra little swallow to make it go down. So with my mouth, with my mouth, I'll say, oh, man, that, honey, no, don't ever make that again. She goes, you really didn't like it? No, I no, it was bad. It was okay. I'll try something else, you know. But this is the problem. It was my mouth. If you everything that you know that is healthy, you go. This is awful. This is gross. This is cardboard. This is vomit that's been modified. So you can obviously tell what goes on in my mind when I do all that stuff. I mean, i got a great imagination when it comes to healthy food. But anyway, uh, you, you, you shouldn't be speaking that. But why do we speak that? It's because we believe that. So the Lord says, if you want to speak something differently, you must change what you believe. That went over about like it did the first service. That was a good place to say amen. You need to change what you believe. And if you change what you believe, you'll change what you speak. And if you are having trouble with what you speak, it's because you don't believe the way that you should believe. You know, if you're ever getting a real lot of trouble, negative, you know, my wife, she'll tell me, she says, man, you've just been negative. Like, she doesn't say this, but this is my interpretation. Like diarrhea, man, it's just negative stuff coming out of your mouth. And so she says, uh, or she'd tell me that, so you know what? If you have that problem from time to time, you probably don't. Maybe it's just me. I'm from Kentucky. But anyway, you should read Proverbs because in Proverbs it says more about the tongue than any book in the Bible. Proverbs will just jerk the slack right out of you when it comes to your mouth. But having said that, you know, you think, well, I've got to discipline my tongue. I've got to do that. Well, I'm going to tell you, you need to change what you believe because what you believe will start coming out of your mouth. Thomas Edison, when he was just uh, going into school, I don't know, it was first grade, second grade, or third grade. He just started school. His teacher folded up a letter and put it in an envelope and said, give this to your mom when you get home to read to you. So he gave it to his mother, and his mother opened it. Started reading it, and tears started coming down her eyes. And Thomas said, "Mom, what what does the letter say?" 
she said that, Dear Mrs. Edison, your child, Thomas, is a genius. He is so educated and so smart and so intellectual that we do not have the teachers that are good enough to teach him. So please keep him home and teach him at home so he can grow. Few years, many years later, many years later, Thomas Edison's mother died, and he was already the one of the greatest inventors and genius of the century. He already made that mark on the world. But he looked, and lo and behold, in one of his closets, there was a shoebox, and there was a, that same letter. He got it out, and he goes, oh, man. It was from that school. And he read it. Dear Mrs. Edison, your son Thomas has mental deficiency and he cannot keep up with the class therefore we are expelling him today and he cannot come back to the school that's what the letter said but his mother said something different so he gets his diary out and he writes in his diary Thomas Edison was a mentally deficient child whose mother turned him into the genius of the century. This is why you need to come to church, not to be more religious or to be better. But your Heavenly Father, you're going to hear messages, I promise you, from this pulpit that says, just like Thomas Edison's mother said, that you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Well, I, you don't know me, Pastor. I've got mistakes, and I do mistakes, and, you know, I, I sin. I do. I just flat out sin. Yeah. You don't know what your father has said about you. If you want more victory in your life, you have to see yourself the way your Heavenly Father sees you. Like a good parent speaking over their child. Your father is the most awesome father, and he has spoken tremendous things over you. He says that you're more than a conqueror. He says that about you. You know, we read that, and we think it's a generic thing that's just written in the Bible. No, God, when he wrote that, he was thinking of Chad. And he said, this is what I think of my son Chad. You need to know that. And guess what? If you believe that, listen to me. If you believe that, you'll start speaking things differently like coming out of your mouth. Instead of, I can't do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, this is bad or this is bad. You'll start speaking something different. Why? Because you believe it. Unfortunately, we do speak things because we have believed the negative report. Amen. How are we going to do this? Well, the biggest thing is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says that we have to keep looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. This is what the problem is. We keep looking at ourselves. We need to look unto Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, not upon Mike, not upon yourself. Don't look, just keep looking at yourself because that's where you, if you look at yourself, you'll, man, I'll tell you what, you'll find some kind of weakness. You'll find all kinds of garbage. But if you look unto Jesus, He is the one who empowers you. 
You're not going to look to yourself to get empowerment. You look to Him to get empowerment. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from Him. So the problem is, the reason 92% of the people can't keep their New Year's resolution is because they are putting confidence in their flesh. You put confidence in your flesh. And Americans are the, some of the greatest about this. We can do this, or I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. After day four, I'm going to try to do it better. And after day 12, I'm not doing so good, but you know, I can do it. After two months, I quit. Why? You put confidence in the flesh. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul says this. Paul says, I don't put any confidence in my flesh. What? He says, yeah, I don't put, uh, no, none, zero, nada. I don't put confidence in my flesh. If you read the story of Paul, if you're not familiar with it, I mean, he was a super religious man before he got saved. <laughs> Not after, but before. He says, I was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. In other words, he graduated top in the class. He said, I was so religious. I was circumcised on the eighth day, and he lists all these things, what he did. I was this, and I was that. My family was this, and we were great. We were good, and we were great. And then, you know what he says at the very last of all of those accolades? I count them as done. Manure. Or if you're from Kentucky, that's poop, man. I mean, that's just that's what all these things are. Why? Because it's, my confidence is not in what I can do, what I can perform. My confidence is in Jesus and Him alone. If you do that, you'll go far. But you've got to look to Him every day. If you're going to, okay, let's take the top one, lose some weight. You've got to, put, man, put it on your, I, I'm a, a sun visor guy. When I get in my vehicle, boom, my sun visor's down. It's just habit. So anytime I want something to remind me of something, I stick it on my somebody. Boom. You are the righteousness of God. Woo. You need to say, today God is a new day. I need to eat right. I don't want to. I need to exercise. And I hate that. So instead of looking at my flesh, Listen to me. This is so simple. Instead of looking at my flesh, I'm going to look to you, and I thank you. I thank you right now that you have given me grace to eat right. You've given me grace to exercise. You've given me grace to live and be what I need to be today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And what are you doing in the process? You're changing your belief system. You don't even know it, but you're changing it. It's kind of like your, you know, when you give a dog medication inside of cheese ball. That's what I'm doing to you. You start putting this. I love my phone. I got. I know, my wife made fun of me with my phone because I put everything in it. Siri and I have a relationship, you know. But uh, she has got me out of so many jams. Cause remind me tomorrow. I have a meeting, or I need to do this tomorrow, or whatever, and so, 
30 minutes before I'm supposed to be there. I've forgotten about it. Boom, she alarm and tell me. Man, you can put in there. So I put scriptures sometimes in there. I have the favor of God wrapped around me as a shield. You can put that in your phone. If you're not a phone person, you can put it your day timer. You can put it on your refrigerator. You can put it in your mirror. Put something in there that will cause you to start believing different about yourself. Listen to me. If you're trying to lose weight and you look in the mirror, I'm, I'm not going to this, take this right, okay? You look in the mirror and you say, man, you are fat. You are so fat. You are just fat. You're just a, oh, you're fat. And you walk away. How many know it takes absolutely no faith to say that? It takes no fat to look, I mean no fat. It takes no faith. It takes no faith. It takes no fat to look at the faith. No, it takes no faith to look and say you're fat. But listen to me. It does take faith to look in the mirror and say, I'm in shape and I believe God has given me grace to lose weight. Thank you, Father. You know what? This just came out of me this morning, so I, I, it wasn't in my nose, but I thought, man, that must have been God. If you have to... That's just how I think. But if you have to, if you don't have a picture of yourself when you were 12 years old that, that you were thin, if you were overweight when you are 12, then forget that. But if you, are, if you have to, Photoshop yourself a picture. Put it on your mirror and go, that's who I see myself as. You say, Pastor, you are ridiculous. No, I'm not. This is such a freak. Because you believe, listen to me, you believe you're fat and you're going to always be fat. So you've got to change what you see. You've got to change that. If you're poor and you've been struggling financially, you better get something to change you. I'm going to show a clip next week to help you. So I won't, you just need to come next week about the finance part. But listen, you have to do something to get yourself to believe something differently. You've been believing about yourself being overweight, being out of shape and not eating right. You believe that. So, listen, this is what God, God is, it's just in the Bible. I'm, you, you may think I'm just making this up about the Photoshop. God photoshopped Abraham. And I'll prove it. Abraham, I mean, when you're 100 years old and your wife is 90 years old, there can be no confidence in your flesh to have a baby at that point. I mean, you can't even put confidence in your flesh. I mean, she, uh, her womb is a dried up raisin. They ain't going to give birth. You know what I'm saying? It's impossible. Romans 4.17. It says this. As it is written, this is about Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, and he calls things, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So what did God do with Abraham? He photoshopped everything around Abraham. He said, Abraham, look at the stars. Can you count them? No. That's your kids. First of all, he even started with changing his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means, see back in those days, people, they knew names from what they meant. So everybody knew the name Abraham meant father of many nations. 
Didn't you just see one of his neighbors coming up to him? Oh, you changed your name to Ab- from Abram to Abraham? Yeah. How many kids you got? None. Excuse me? None. God was calling those things that be not as though they... What was he doing? Photoshopping. Abraham, look at the sand. You can count all the grains of sand. No, no, Lord. That's your kids. And then the last year before he had a child, he he cut a covenant with Abraham between him and God. And Abraham got circumcised. So now, from the time that he woke up in the morning to the time he went to bed at night, there was always something for him to see to change his belief system. Every time he went to the bathroom. I know it's crude, but it's true. He was thinking, I'm in covenant with God. And God says that I'm going to have a bunch of kids. Wow. What was God doing? He was photoshopping him, shooting him, whatever the word is. But he, he made him see something differently than what he saw every day of his life. It takes no faith to look at two old people and say, you can't have kids. It takes something to change your belief system so you'll speak something differently. And guess what happened? He had a child. It's impossible. It is with man. But if you change what you believe, what you believe will come out of your mouth, it will be manifested. So for 2017, we're going to change and teach all of us, with your pastor included, we're going to change our belief system so we will speak differently, so we'll see things differently, and we will see things manifested in our life. Can you say amen? It's not going going to be, you need to try harder. You need to, we're going to pull a 100-day fast. That will take care of your weight. (laughs) We'll take care of your weight problem. We're going to fast 100 days. Forget that sissy five 40 days. We're going for the 100. We'll have a memorial service after that. But anyway. (laughs) No, you can't put confidence in your flesh. We're going to put our trust in him. That's why Paul had so much success. That's why all the people in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, they had success when they put their trust in God. They quit saying, you know, I can do this. I mean, that's what got Samson killed. He he started putting his confidence in his flesh. David understood not putting confidence in his flesh. He killed Goliath and he said, but my God, you come against me in your own strength, Goliath. Everybody else said, yeah, have you seen his strength? (laughs) Not a bad thing to come in. But David sits there and goes, he's just a boy. And he says, you come against me in your own strength, but me. Woo! I'm not coming against you in my own strength, my own ability. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord my God. Woo! What happened? He had success. Through that stone, you're not going to tell me, boy, you're a good rock thrower, aren't you? Wow. You're pretty good with that little thing. You ever thought about the Olympics? 
No, he didn't put his confidence in his ability to throw the rock. His confidence was in God. And he was successful at it because he put his confidence in his God. If we're going to be successful in 2017, we've got to look to him. Every day, look to him. Quit trying to look at yourself. Oh, Mike, you've got to do better. Ooh, I get a, man, I, I pull myself through a knothole backwards trying to be a better pastor. I've got to read more. I've got to study more. I've got to do this more. I've got to do more. Man, I got to a point where I don't like this. If I would have listened to God, he would have said, yeah, I don't blame you. I don't like it either. You're just looking to yourself. I don't like, did you know God never looks, when you look to yourself, you're not, that does not go good with God. You know why? It's called self-righteousness. You remember the story in the Bible when the religious man smote his breast and he said, you know, I'm God, I'm glad I'm not like this peon over here. And he just, you know, that I do this and I do that. And what was he saying? His self was making him righteous. That's self-righteousness. What you do is making you righteous. And what did God say? That guy, Jesus said, that guy who you just said, doesn't do things right and he just started crying and says I'm just a lost sinner man I need help God says I can work with that God says I can work with that anytime you and me try to put our slave in the position of what Jesus took that's self-righteousness anytime you think you're going to accomplish something and try to do something outside of Jesus, that's self-righteousness. That's yourself. But God says, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened, come unto me. Okay, I got this. That's the worst thing we can say. I got this. I got this, God. That's what the children of Israel said. Where did that get them? No, we got to look to Jesus. We got it's just called basic Christianity 101. And what the church is, listen to me, what the church has done, they've taken basic Christianity 101 and it's plus something else. And then plus something. And after uh, you know, a hundred years of being plus and plus, the plus signs go out the door now. You come just as you are, without one plea. We sing that song. Well, we don't, but you've heard it. Just as I am. And then you get saved, you get born again, and then it's not just as I am without a plea. It's just, okay, now I've received Jesus. Now what can I do to add to him? Paul said, I don't put any confidence in what I can do as far as my flesh goes. My confidence is in him and what he has done. I wrote this down. This is good. It's all about Jesus. Everything Jesus. No more, no less. Are you ready? It's knowing his love, his authority, his blessings, his grace, his goodness, his generosity, his healing, his kindness, his mercy, his name, his righteousness, his rest, his victory, his wisdom, his word, his finished work at the cross, period. It's all about him. 
Not about you. Not about me. So the sooner you and I get our eyes off of ourselves and onto him, the more victory you have. Because he's already accomplished the victory for you. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. How can Paul say that? Because he never did look at his circumstances. He didn't look at himself. He did one time. It's recorded in the Bible. He said, I mean, these people were following him. Following him every time he went to a town, he had revival and riot. Revival and riot. I'm glad our church services aren't like that. <laughs> oh, we had revival today. Yeah, and we had a riot. Broke out at the same time. But that's what Paul was having. So he went to God three times. He says, man, I can't do this. I can't take this. This is terrible. This is me. I, I just don't. And God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He got a revelation. He says, where I am weak, where I can't do it, I know now to boast of my weakness and to look to him because his grace will get me over the top and see me through. That's what I'm saying today, to look to his grace because there's grace available. You've just been, and I've just been, looking unto ourself, looking into our confidence, and God's saying, it's time you start looking at my grace. And that 92% will flip. Instead of 92% can't do it, it'll be 92% are doing it, not because we're more disciplined, we're better, we're more just better people. No, you have a revelation of him. This year... We're going to know him like we've never known him before. We're going to see him like we've never seen before. And it's not because I'm going to be such a great, fantastic preacher. No. What you see is what you get. If you don't like what you see, you probably won't be happy there. But I'm going to trust and rely upon him more than I ever have in my whole entire life. Rely upon him to give you the message that you need to hear. To give you an understanding because I felt like I heard from God about that 2017 is going to be a year of explosion of knowledge. But it's not going to be A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's going to be a knowledge explosion of how much God loves you and me. A knowledge explosion of how righteous you are in his sight. A knowledge explosion of how good your heavenly father is. A knowledge explosion of the goodness of God that he's placed inside of you and what he's done for you and what he thinks about you today. You talk about insecurities, leaving left and right. Honey, your counseling sessions will be over. <laughs> Nothing wrong with counseling, but I tell you what, you find out who you are in Christ and how much he loves you and what he's done for you, there won't be any devil in hell or any person that you won't be able to face and have victory over it. It's simple things that I believe we haven't seen as a body of Christ, and I'm saying that not as Rocky Mountain Family Church, the whole church around the planet. For God so loved the world. We've taken that scripture for granted. We don't understand that 
He didn't come. John 3.16 says that. 3.17 says he didn't come to condemn the world. And I don't know about you, but I've been in church just about most of my life, and it's been more condemnation than anything, more guilt than anything. Because I was the teenager that looked good in front of everybody, but behind the scenes, I was a little devil. And so naturally, if you have that kind of lifestyle, you're not going to feel real comfortable around people that are religious. But when you have an understanding of Jesus, then your insecurities will go by the wayside. When you realize how much He loves you, you can do anything. I don't have to have anybody's approval. don't have to be accepted. Be accepted by anybody. Because when you have, I don't have it all, but when you start getting a greater revelation that I am accepted by my Father and He loves me. Fully. Fully. Today, tomorrow, when I sin, when I mess up, when I just do something flat out stupid, my Father will turn to me and say, I got you, Mike. I love you, Mike. You're still accepted in my sight. Just hold on to me. Just hold on to me. The majority of people, when they mess up, they quit church. Why? Why is that? Because they know there's a sense of condemnation and guilt. Jesus bore all of that, so you will not need to have one ounce of that in your life. Your past may be riddled with sin and everything else and but I'm telling you God wants you to know today that there is no condemnation or guilt between you and him so you need to have a different belief system inside of you to get rid of that because I've said this and I believe it a condemned person cannot receive from God not that God's withholding it. He is not, never will, never has, never will. But you will always be doing this if you feel condemned or guilty. I'm speaking to somebody today. Don't let the devil lie to you and hold on to that guilt. Give that guilt and condemnation up. Walk out of these doors free today. Amen? Let's stand.